Hey there, this is Daniel here. This week we have a very special part one of our part two series, comics that inspire you. So please tune in. We'll drop part two later on in the week. Welcome to the Next Issue Podcast. We're a group of friends that love talking comics and all that it entails. Uh, we're based out of Dallas, so you'll hear us talk about how these comics make up a part of our daily lives, including our local comic shop, conventions, and other forms of entertainment. Welcome. <laughs> already did my sourdough starter i clay i love the bread you're doing <laughs> no 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 i the bread i did yesterday holy shit it <laughs> it just looks so sad it didn't rise but it still it still has the sourdough taste and everything yeah. it so it's just like maybe two inches tall and long <laughs> all right before before we get into Welcome, everyone. But before we get into this episode and introduce my host, Clay and Adrian, <laughs> what, what is it about being at home forever that people just make bread? Yeah. Like everyone's baking. I think because more people are cooking at home, and that is kind of a skill. I mean, you know, you can learn to bake bread pretty easy. Watch a YouTube video. Sourdough teaches you a little more. And so it's just, for me, it's a lot of experimenting with you being able to eat your failure. <laughs> so <laughs> that we've only a- had to throw out one dough that was bad and it was a pizza dough. And uh, other than that, I mean, most of it tastes great. Um, we just had one pizza that was like, it just didn't vibrate. So the crust turned out bad, hmm. but it's not just that. I mean, I mean, I make, I make bread, uh, I'll make dough. Uh, we've made, just like like for pizza, for biscuits, for rolls. So just different stuff. It's just learning something that hopefully I'll be able to do something with. But right now it's just feeding us. So there, there's been a few uh, activities for quarantine that I haven't done. One of them okay. is... Is there a quarantine played, bingo? I, I think so. I'm sure there is. Uh, but I haven't played Animal there's Crossing. quarantine bingo. Yeah. I haven't played Animal Crossing. Okay, then I'm a cliche because I am playing Animal Crossing. I haven't watched Tiger King. What? Dude. Okay, hold on for a second. I will tell you that I wrote a Tiger King episode for Universal Remote uh, for for Devin's uh, game show he's been doing on YouTube. So there will be a Tiger King episode coming up. (laughs) Funny. I, I... I, there, there's nothing better than watching white, crazy white people do the most white people shit ever. I don't know. I've gone into full white person mode, I guess, and just adopted their ways and uh, become one of them. <laughs> See, <you're... laughs> well, that, I think that was a pre-existing condition, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, there is a quarantine bingo if you'd like me to go through a few of them. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. hit it and see see what we've done. And we'll you, get well, into our you, actual show in a minute. <laughs> you <laughs> did hit on one with uh, the binge Tiger King. Okay. 
um, took done a walk. That. I've done, done that. that. Um, learned a TikTok dance. Nope. Mm, nope. I'm out on that one as well. Um, put on clean clothes every day. Every day. Gym maybe. tan laundry every day, dog. Well, not maybe not on the weekends. <laughs> Hold on, did you just make a Jersey Shore reference? I sure did. Holy shit! Save it for the Judd Winnick episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, checked on a neighbor. I have done that. Yeah, we actually There's... talked to our neighbor yesterday too. Um, order takeout. Pizza. I've done that. Yeah. Uh, there's a Mexican place that we go every week that we've been ordering from so that we'll go by there and they've been staying open. So hopefully they'll do well. Um, stress eating? No, I haven't done that. I, I Because I'm home working, I do snack more than I would at the office just because there's more snacks at home. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> like at the office, I would have to either bring my own snacks and there's a limited supply or like I would have to buy something, which I try not to do. Um, I, I will forget to eat because I have so much snacks and I'll have bread and different things I'm making, uh, that I'll forget to eat for a long time. And Shelby has to remind me, <laughs> um, let's see here. What else? <laughs> Show, showed support or thanked an essential worker. Yes. I don't know if I do that in public, <laughs> but I, I definitely do it in my heart and I'm thankful for Adrian being essential. Yes, thank you, Adrian. You are keeping so AT and T alive. Is that what? Is that what it is? It's, well, I don't think I can discuss what happened this week on 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 air. But yeah, so far so good. Yeah, keeping AT and T. We'll go oh, with good. that because that's my uh, that's my service provider. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you are welcome. Um, let's see here. Netflix. I think we've all Netflix. Oh, for sure. What have y'all been Netflixing? Like I said, I really haven't had much time, but I did. Um, I was when when you um, ducked out for a second. I was telling uh, Daniel that my job. I'm so physically active that by the time I get off, I'm tired. So, yeah. but I have to keep on a, a pretty decent sleep schedule, right? So I get off at like two two thirty, three thirty in the afternoon. I can't just go right home and go to bed because then I'll wake up at like. 10 and won't be able to go back to sleep and then I have to be back up at 2.30. Yeah. So, but uh, I have this whole list of TV shows and movies I want to catch up on and comics and, and just regular books I want to catch up on. But if I stop when I get home, just, you know, just stop uh, and like crack open a book, two pages in, I'm asleep. Man. You know, um, I, there's been times where I start like a like a nine or 10 minute YouTube video, you know, some, some nerdy stuff. It, I will be asleep before halfway done. So I haven't had time to read or watch anything. And even on the weekends, like I get, I still wake up at like four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Like I was up at four o'clock. I was up at four fifty this morning and, I was up at five. <laughs> and just, you know, and then, you know, after, you know, I kind of lay there on the weekends and, after about 30 minutes of that, I'm like, this is bullshit. So I got to, you know, move around, do something. I clean the house and, and, you know, I, this morning I was working on my dad's car, you know, and so I really haven't, but two weekends ago, 
I forced myself. I was like, you know what? Let me watch this Tiger King, see what everybody's talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, don't get me wrong. My IQ dropped. I I, I know. Yeah. It. Um, but at the same time, oh, it's like watching a train wreck, right? But that was worse than a train wreck. I don't know what that was. But I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Yeah, we went yeah. through the first two and then just had to stop and kind of let it sink in. <laughs> and then we went back the next day and we were just like, let's just go through it. And it was just like, it's just, it's everything that's bad about reality TV because it's just bad things happening to everyone and they're all terrible people but in the end the tigers are the ones that have been killed and hurt the most and there's right. no real follow-up on that piece you just know that yeah. Car cardi b's putting a gofundme together to get joe exotic out of jail and you really want everyone on this planet to die when you hear that yeah um but it, it's worse than reality tv right because it's actually it's not I don't think it's scripted. I don't think like most reality TV shows where they have producers pushing people. Well, let's try this. Let's get you doing this and stuff like that. I think this was the actual people and they're just fucking bad shit. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're no. all, they're all terrible. That terrible. these are people who are like, Ooh, I'd like to go and work in a zoo and work with animals, but you know what? I hate learning. Right. I mean, so I'll have a do-it-yourself zoo where I buy these animals and then abuse them when I, you know, can't make money off of them. I think, I think the, um, now I will admit, I only watched like the first five episodes. I didn't binge the whole thing. I watched the first five episodes and sometime I'll find time to watch the rest of them. I plan on it because I have to see what but I think the epitome of how horrible these people are is um, what was it in episode two or three? Uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the trainers got their arm bit off. Oh yeah. Well, that's the and, promo for the show. If right. you just put it on there, the whole scene plays out of somebody getting right. their arm bit off spoilers, and, but really like, I'm not going to spoil this show for anyone. It's just a train wreck. Right. Move but on his, to the his, next person. You'll see. His response is, I'll never financially recover for this. You know, yeah. that whole scene is just so surreal. And it like sums I said, up who it, he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the epitome of this show. You know. And it is and, the uh, most watched show right now, which is really sad, but. I mean, I would hope that people would be moved and motivated to, like, you know, change the legislation, shut these down, make these people pay for their crimes. But nah, it's no, just gonna, people are begging for a season two now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, and then they want to go into the sex cult. And it's like, because you want to see women who've been damaged by this man who has a tiger fixation. Right. Uh, I, I mean, but I watched it. See, that's the thing is, like, you've got to <laughs> you've got to learn about it. Right. But then I have no excuse because I have a confession. I have been watching reality TV and I've been watching one of the worst. 90 Day Fiance. Oh boy. What the hell is that? So Shelby says, if you really want to see a train wreck, watch this. And so we started watching the show. But what's good, what's really entertaining is they have they they have a show called Pillow Talk, 
which is basically uh, people who had been on the show uh, watching the show with you. And they kind of cut in between those people. It cuts out all the bullshit of the show, the light drama and crap. So whenever they're like, oh, we have a situation, they cut that shit out. They just basically Mm -hmm. have these people commenting on what's happening. And for the most part, it's kind of funny. But Mm -hmm. there's a guy on who um, you, you know, you, Hmm, I don't know how to really describe Ed. Ed's not a tall man. And Ed, and Ed ha, has been looking for a woman online, and he found this uh, woman that he wants to marry and he's never met. And when you see her, you can tell he has a type, and they're typically underage. Ugh. So it's so creepy because he is trying to romance this girl who I think she's 22, already has a child uh lives in the philippines he goes to visit her and her family and it's just the creepiest feeling like there are other episodes and other people where it's like oh okay well you met someone online and this is just kind of weird that you're meeting in real life and trying to form a relationship but ed it it gives off the pedophile vibe and it's so creepy but uh We've been doing this with a friend of mine, Terry, who he moved to Chicago and he's, yeah, Terry was going to do comedy classes at the improv and now everything's shut down. So he's in Chicago by himself. And so we do Sunday night, uh, you know, we'll put him on speakerphone, watch some pillow talk and it's just fun, dumb stuff. You know, we'll watch movies with him. And and so that's been our kind of outlet for, for us. And I hate that I watch it, but it, God damn it, it's kind of entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not big on reality TV and I think that's why it, there's no hurry for me to try to watch either like Tiger King or any of that stuff. Damn. Yeah. I hate reality TV. The last like my dad got me watching Survivor, which <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I really consider that reality TV. It's it's a different animal altogether i think competition base is a little bit different because uh it's just it's not real right there's nothing real real about it uh i think the last reality tv show i actually watched um consistently was the original reality tv show the real world right but um some just made me want to watch that tower king Yes. Now the real world's evolved over time. So what? So what's your? T- when did you watch? And when did you feel like it was not as manipulative as today's reality shows? Oh, you know what? When it first came on, uh, what were you in our early twenties, uh, Clay? Like when yeah. it first came on, um, I think I well, dove well, out to, of to, it to, to transition this into some comic book talk. We were we were going to do a Judd Winnick episode. And it stemmed from Daniel not knowing that he had been on the real world. Right. Uh, and 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 Daniel's take on the real world is different than ours because we saw it in the beginning when it was just, you know, seven people picked to live in a house. Right. And D- Daniel, when you saw the real world, what was your take when you first saw what it was about? <laughs> so the, the, I, I didn't really watch much of it. By the time I 
I kind of started looking at some of the MTV stuff. It was a lot of real world versus road rules stuff. And oh yeah. And then, but the main thing that sticks out about when I think real world is the Chappelle show uh, parody of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I think. I mean, I understand the concept and I'm sure it's interesting to look at people like maybe at the beginning, especially, you know, in the nineties when there's not, when it's actually a novel concept. Yeah. I'm sure it was interesting because that's kind of how reality TV works. Anything that's different, people will kind of jump on it and then drive it into the ground so much and then try to change it. Uh, but yeah, that's really what I think. I was never a big, I was never big on that that kind of stuff. I think the main thing I like is storytelling, but I want I want good storytelling, not trash right. storytelling. Yeah. Other than wrestling, I <laughs> see. <laughs> I'm glad you put that in there because I was about to throw that out there. I go, don't you like wrestling? Exactly. So I think wrestling is like my one exception. Well, I mean, everybody's allowed to have a guilty pleasure, right? Like everybody wants to be highbrow. But I don't think guilty. I don't think guilty pleasure is really the term we should use because if you enjoy it, you enjoy it and you shouldn't be made to feel bad about it. That's true. I mean, I y'all goof on me for loving the Fast and Furious, but I know the levels of that stunt work is awesome, but the stories are pretty ridiculous. But I love them. I I think that everybody wants to be, or you know, especially people that that read or consider themselves a a cinephile, they want to consider themselves um, highbrow, like a Siskel and Ebert, or you know. but we all have those things that we know people are like quick other quick, eyebrow people are like, what the hell? Quick question. Mm-hmm. Is Cisco the prequel to Rupert or what's his name? Roger? <laughs> yes. The other guy yes. that was with oh, okay. Gosh, ten years does make a difference if you're not watching. It does make a huge difference. <laughs> Well, in the original real world, it was just seven people picked to live together. I remember the in the first season, there was a was girl that who LA? came on. Uh, no, it's New York. New, oh, that's right, New York, L.A., and then Boston. Because there was a rapper. Her name was Heather B. Yeah. Who at at the time had a had a pager, and so this girl from the Midwest sees her pager goes off and goes, "Are you a drug dealer?" <laughs> And that was the that was the most dramatic thing that happened in the first season of oh, Real yeah. World. Like was that was she, it. Was she a drug dealer? No. no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's what was kind of fun about these uh, first couple of seasons was it's just people who were trying to figure out, you know, who I am in this world and who are these other people and can we coexist? So, uh, spoilers for Real World '94. <laughs> Well, Real World 94, they had like one of the worst. I think this is when MTV saw that they could, oh, if we put in a really bad element, we can make, because people talked about the guy in that season with Judd Winnick and his name was Puck. Puck. Uh, Oh, Jesus Christ. Because he was just a dirty, horrible person. Like, you know, Judd is Jewish and Puck would wear a swastika shirt around the house and he would eat he would eat food with his hands like peanut butter, you know, like the community peanut butter. He just run his fingers through and eat a bunch. Like he just, the, the worst kind of roommate that I think has elevated to where it is now with 
the Amorosas and the uh, Johnny Fairplay, the, the terrible people of reality shows that you hear about just because they act terrible. So like, yeah, the, think... like the one guy that took all the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I think Las Vegas was the last season. I'm like, you know what? This is just not me anymore. They, they realized if we put in a hot tub and we put in alcohol, oh boy. this is a game changer. And that's what the show became. Mm-hmm. So, and then hookups, try to get people to hook up and then challenging the road rules people that, you know, it just, it's kind of ridiculous. You don't really get a snapshot of who these people are. And that's that for me, it was neat to see people who are not like me trying to just live and exist in this world. Like I was at the time in my early twenties. And, uh, now you look at the people on there and it's like teen mom, like who the fuck relates to that and wants to. So is Chuck Winnick a writer? Judd. Judd. Judd, I'm uh, sorry. Writer, artist. Oh, okay. So, Any work I might have known? Um, one so work you should Judd know. Real world. You should know his book, Pedro and Me. Oh. Because I feel this is a definitive work of my generation and an incredible snapshot of uh, life in America at that time. Um, you, you're getting Judd's perspective through Pedro, uh, but it's everything. Pedro goes into the real world house as an AIDS activist and meets Judd and they have this incredible friendship. But the book is about uh, Judd, Pedro, uh, the real world, AIDS, uh, what life was like at the time. And I feel like it's a very important book. I To me, it's a definitive Gen X book. And so I really want to. And I want to make the argument that it's very American and important because it documents this time about not just pop culture, but HIV in America. So this is early, mid nineties, 94, 94, 94. They do the real world. The, he does this graphic novel and it comes out in 2000. Okay. Okay. So this has been around for a while. Yeah. And this wasn't a book he was writing while he was on the real world. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, in fact, I really it. wish we could find some of those episodes because I'd love to show. I just remember Judd being this guy who was an artist writer who would lock himself in his room for eight hours a day and work. And all the other roommates were like, this guy treats it like a job. And that's why he's successful. It was really neat to see. Hmm. But I mean, is do, do you guys have a book or let's go graphic novel that's important to you or something that you feel like is important to your generation. I don't know if I have one that's, I don't know if I have one that's um, important because there's some that I want to read. Like I want to read mouse. So I can't really say if that's really that important to me. Um, I think one that really struck me on an emotional level is um, Bingo Love. Yeah. Um, That, uh, I mean, being a straight man, seeing that story of um, uh, two gay women who can't be together and live their lives and somehow find each other later on in life and 
still had that spark. It's, yeah. it, it was a really touching story. It was a really good story. Yeah, um, the way Franklin um, was able to um, flip back and forth through time and just the way it was put together and, and set up, I just yeah. thought it was really good. And I think, um, I, matter of fact, I bought two copies of that book and anytime someone's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm really not in the comic books. I know you're into it. Anything I should read. I give them that book just to start excellent, out. Excellent choice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Uh, yeah, I was, I was trying to think because I don't, I don't know. I think the latest thing, and I don't know if it'll be a generational thing. It just really had a big impact on the way I perceived a lot of stuff is when we read, um, uh, what's it? The George Sake book. We, was it, they called his enemy. Yeah. It, which is kind of, it's, it's autobiographical about his time in the, in the Japanese internment camps after, uh, Pearl Harbor and all that stuff. Yeah, that book is really good. And I think the, the, the main thing that it, it led me to realize that kind of like watching the HBO's Watchmen, that there's a lot of history that just doesn't get spoken about. Like all the, it gets swept under the rug. Yeah. And, and how, how comic books is just, it's a different medium that can bring out all that stuff. And bring it to the forefront, and it's a good way to like, you know, teach the next generation of like all these things that, oh yeah, like there's a there's still a lot of problems, and there's still, there was always a lot of problems, and just because something's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening somewhere else, right? And then also how little people know about like how little people know about what was going on in World War Two in the country. Like we always just kind of focus on what the U.S. did in Europe and fighting, um, you know the the fighting the the axis of powers and all that stuff. But you never really talk about well, yeah, people in in the U.S. Like all we hear is yeah, we were uh, women had to go to work in the factories because the men's were overseas. Yeah, and then we get movies like A League of Their Own and stuff like that, and. But it, it only focuses kind of like on the positive things that like yeah we rallied as a yeah, country. We tend to do that. Well, it's it, how did how did white people deal with this? That's the main story of that. You don't see anyone else. You don't see people of color who were able to you know go join the peaches. Right, you'll get that one scene. Uh, I think the there's a, a lady that she yeah throws there the ball. is one yeah. thing yeah. But but in which I think that's. I think that's also important. It's nice. To, it's good to see the good things that kind of came out of that, but you can't overlook all the other stuff. So I think books well, like they call those enemy achieves that, you know, and putting it into a context of, you know, the current times as well. Yeah. Cause I think of like, if, if when you're taking an American history class, when you get to world war two, even if they talk about the internment camp, how much, how much time is actually spent on that topic? I mean, not much at all. Yeah, I mean, they, that's make, an, they make it seem like it was a couple of months or something, but it's it was like, what, four or five years that... Yeah. And even then, people, after they got their lives back, they had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, there's there's quite a few books on that. And I feel like, uh, you know, Judd's book is a snapshot of this time in the 80s. And, uh, you know, if you when you go into it, it's very informative about what's happening and what's going on. And think about this. In 1994, Judd Winnick is asked to be on The Real World. And part of the questionnaire to join the show was, how would you feel living with an HV? HIV positive person. And as liberal as he claimed to be, he goes, he didn't know much in 1994 about AIDS and how you got it. And most of the information he got through um, uh, Pedro and the way he uses this book to explain it to more people is even more helpful because it showed at the time how nobody was doing anything. There wasn't that education. He was going out and speaking at schools. And then Judd went on to speak at schools and further, uh, you know, carry his message after uh, after he met Pedro. So, it, you know, it's it's tough because it talks about their relationship from life to death. But it also uh, gives you just what it was like at that time uh, and from from somebody on the outside, he's just working with Pedro and, and him being his friend. And that's what really got me is the friendship came across so great in this story. It carries you through the whole book. And if there's any light in that darkness, it is how much fun these two have together and seeing that kind of friendship on paper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, did, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I haven't read this book, but it's a book that's been on my to read list for a while. There's this called, uh, it's the March series by uh, Congressman oh. John Lewis. Yeah, I got that for EJ. Yeah, it's about his, uh, I guess, his story during the civil rights movement. And then there's three books. Um, I just haven't, it just, has, it's been something that I've wanted to read just because I think it's going to be an important story, but I haven't gotten around to read it. Uh, yeah, that's probably another one I would put in. I haven't read all three, so uh, maybe after that we could have a discussion on. I mean, I'm I'm sure this is very important uh, in American history, and uh, more people need to read it. Uh, we just need to come to a consensus as a as a as a show what we think of it. Mm -hmm. I, I really think Pedro and me though, I'm really pushing this for you guys to read, and and this will be one. Um, what's weird, Josh said he looked for it, and there, the digital copy is only available in a foreign language. <laughs> so, uh, um, it, you know what? Uh, I You can have my copy. I can get Shelby to grab you a copy while she's at work. All right. I'm down with that. Yeah, because right. I looked for it, too, yesterday, since we were talking about it, and we were going to do Judd Winnick today. Although I I could read, I've been taking French so I could read it in French. Comment allez-vous? Uh, ça va? Ça va? Ça va bien? Merci. Et toi? Uh, ça, ça va bien. Hmm. Je m'appelle Daniel. Interrosa. <laughs> All my French I learned from Ratatouille. I learned it from friends. <laughs> I just want to say this about Ratatouille. That was the hardest movie I've ever had to watch in my life. Why? As a foodie, the thought of a rat making food. I, I, like yeah. I... Ugh. He ugh. washed his hands. <laughs> and then touched ugh. his face. Yeah, he just touched his face. 
he touched. Well, I mean, a lot of the movies just him cooking through that guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I get it. I get it, Adrian. It's a hard concept. It's an interesting. It was very, it was a very hard concept for me to like. I I have a pretty strong stomach, but there was a couple of times I was just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go. Let's talk about comics. Yeah, good. It was a good tangent, though. I like it. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to see what uh, y'all had pulled some culturally re- relevant lists to see. I because I wanted y'all to kind of challenge me on this Jed Winnet. Uh, did you ha- did y'all have some books you wanted to compare or I, I throw at a, me? Yeah, I have a list from CBR, but if Adrian, if you have it and you want to go through it. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So the list is from um, CBR and it's called Super Important um, 15 Great Socially Conscious Comics. Um, these comics use the medium to send a positive and or important message into the world. Um, is Pedro and me on that list? Pedro and me is not on the list. Wow, CBR, um, what a disappointment! Well, we can reach out to the to the staff and be like, "Come on, guys, you need to update this, get it together." Well, it was done in 2016, so it may. Well, when was this done? 2016. It should be on the list. De- December 2016. Um, number 15 is Miss Marvel. So um, yeah, I, I've I've read this book, and I think the. The big message that I got, not only that we're getting our first oh, Pakistani-American hero, who's also a Muslim, uh, in the main in a main Marvel comic, then and they're and she's inheriting a name from a superhero that's like super popular, especially now. Yeah, but I I think the main thing there's a there's a sequence in the in the book in the first volume where Kamala. She needs. She knows she needs to go undercover, so she makes herself look more like Miss Marvel, or sorry, like Captain Marvel used to look, with the blonde hair, you know, white skin. Like she looks like she's Caucasian. Uh, but then she realizes that she shouldn't change into into that. Like it's a it's a very quick sequence. I think it's kind of out of reflex that it happens because she can't control her powers very well yet. Yeah. But somebody's in danger, and she steps up to do something. But after that, she kind of has a little conversation with herself, like, why did I change into, like, why did she feel or subconsciously feel the need to change into a Caucasian person to be a hero? Mm. Which I thought was, like, it was just very, like, it was very subtle if you're just looking for the the action part of the book. Yeah. But if you're one of those people that, and I don't, I usually miss a lot of that stuff when I'm reading because... I'm just not very good at, at catching all that stuff. But as a person of color, that kind of stuck out to me. Like, yeah, why would she have to change into a, you know, blonde person to be a hero? I don't know. Makes you go back to Watchmen and why he did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah. I mean, to me, that book's um, aimed at kids that uh, haven't seen a hero like that. That's the most important thing is representation. Oh, you social justice warriors. Anyway, um, number 14. Hey, I, that's a Dwayne McDuffie thing. That's not a social justice <laughs> word. That Dwayne McDuffie is the fucking man. And he's he's communicated that to me in a way, not that he personally, but <laughs> but his but the way he's done his stories and talks about it uh, and and just researching the guy. 
uh, it's just one of the most important things he's talked about in his books. I was going to say, Clay, if you know Dwayne McDuffie and you haven't brought him on the show. <laughs> right. Well, that would be really hard because I don't have a Lazarus pit. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. We we don't have that technology yet. <laughs> no. One day. Thanks for joining us. You can find Next Issue on Twitter at Next Issue Pod, on Twitch at Next Issue, and on Facebook at Next Issue Podcast. You can find Clay on Twitter at Clay underscore Harrison, Kyle at Kylepedia, Adrian at Adrian underscore Harry, Daniel at Echo Spider, and Josh at Cosmosis. Hail Bebo. Bebo.